we go to London for a holiday on Sunday. Sunday hey, morning. I've been there. Because, I, so you have. <laughs> Both of us will have been there within the space of like six weeks. Amazing. Wow. The difference this Wait. time though is that I am actually going to go and say hi to the Queen. Oh, you are? And Wait, isn't the Queen in Scotland? Do touristy things. The Queen's in Scotland. Oh, so she, so she is. Okay, I'm going to go and say hi to the Queen's house yeah. and the people who are yeah. standing outside it, yeah. guarding it. Yeah. The people adjacent to the Queen. Correct, yeah. Yes. And the people who wear all the fancy outfits and shout at tourists to get out of the way. That's oh, what we're going to do. We're going to be the tourists be in viral. the way. Yeah, be viral. Do it. Mm, that's that's the whole Record reason. Record yourself. Make sure that you come across as entitled. Like yeah. you're so shocked that the guards are upset at you. Uh, you know, perfect. You'll be well known and, and well loved <laughs> for a, a brief moment on TikTok and then disappearing into the ether. Yeah, I did even buy yeah, some yeah, new yeah. clothes for the whole London trip, so that's when things have really gotten did, serious. Why, why? What was the motivation? Eh, because we're going to the theatre on. Oh, so you had to get something nice, right? And I figured that wearing a "Every Time I Die" T-shirt probably isn't going to cut it. Okay. Yeah. So, so you got something like smart cash. I got a a pine forest green shirt. All right, Which okay. I don't really think is going to go with anything else. Did you only buy a shirt? I mean, it's going to have to. You said you bought new clothes. Yeah. You only bought a new shirt. I, I know, I got two new shirts. You didn't buy the rest <laughs> of the outfit. The second shirt is uh, what's called an, an over shirt. Or like a... I don't know what it's... It's basically this giant like 2XL thing okay. that you wear over like a t-shirt or a, a vest. Right. And Very cool. it's meant to be fashionable. Is it? Now, I am yet to try it on, so I will report back next next time. I think if I tried if on anything like that, it just looks like I got hand-me-downs <laughs> in my 30s. <laughs> Do you know the, the trench coat that Neo had in the Matrix? Sure, yeah. That's what I think it's going to be like. Okay. That's how it's going to look. Is it black? Except my one has butterflies on it and it's blue. Oh, no, it's not black. <laughs> it's, it's like... If Neo was a gay man... Yeah, sure, yeah. Well... Who was going to London... <laughs> That's that's what that's the vibe I'm going for. But you didn't buy in trousers to match your new green shirt. Green is a good color, underused. So I looked at the picture on the website, and it, the guy was wearing black jeans, and I was like, "I've got black jeans. I can wear that." Yeah, that job done. Should, this should be this should be okay. Yeah, yeah it should be all right. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, we shall report back because ultimately, uh, I will put on yeah, clothes. Let us know what the people of London think as you walk down the street, and everyone reviews your clothes because that's what that's what happens to me if I walk outside. People give me like. Mm. Thumbs up or thumbs down based off what I'm wearing. So let us know what the average is. Okay, that's that'll be interesting. I know certainly the biggest critic will be Graham because he is someone who actually that's the most important has critic. style and actually has true, you know, creativity. Whereas me, I'm like, okay, I can put on a pair of jeans and a random T-shirt. I'm ready. I bought my my new favorite band's T-shirt. Where, I shall wear it. <laughs> Whereas he's like, I'm not sure these socks go with this look. What color T-shirt shall it be? Oh, black. <laughs> Excellent. So yeah, we'll, we'll run we'll run the outfits past uh, past Graham and see if they pass the um, sure. the style test. Nice. There was uh, a, a time oh, it was maybe two weeks ago. We went out for a, a coffee on a on a Sunday, and what? he he asked the eternal question: Can I dress you? Oh, and you I should thought, say yes every time. I did. I was like, yeah, sure, let's do it. And so uh, at the end of it, I had uh, a, a a black. Long sleeve, one of my favorite bands. I was like, all right, I'm good start. Shocked. Good start. I'm surprised. But amazed, then, you know, added a black work shirt over the top, but left it unbuttoned. Oh, uh, 
Followed up with some black jeans. Oh my goodness. And then white socks and white trainers. And he basically was matching. And it looked like goth stay out. It was very cute. Goth stay out, but with white shoes. Right, right. Yeah. But we were... Uh, Silverburn was, was our domain. Yeah. That was... You know, we owned that you place. Owned, yeah, you owned it for sure. The, the, if it wasn't for those white socks and white shoes, it, you know, I would have believed that you dressed yourself. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Well, what's what's happening with you? Have you been um, dressing yourself lately? I have been. I, sometimes I've been undressing myself lately. I was nice. Get, don't want to get too personal here. Uh, <laughs> no, I I have. I've dressed myself lately. I've always got a better fashion sense than you, but that's because I learned what colors are. And that is true. Uh, but sadly, I don't ever go anywhere, so only I enjoy the looks. And it's not really that enjoyable for you, for yourself. I don't, I don't like look at myself in the mirror and go, "Oh yeah, thumbs up, nice clothes." <laughs> I think though that you know, for certain occasions, yeah, you you do need to be. You have to put in more more effort than perhaps I would, which for sure I, I get. But also, you know, who says that I need to look fancy going to the theater? I would have thought that you'd have learned a thing or two working in TV. You'd think so. Yeah. <laughs> You would, you would think that. That's my full sentence. I would have thought that, and I still do have thought that. And you would be wrong, because... And I'm wrong, yeah. As I'm, I'm doing a, a talk at, at Scottish Power later this month, and... Scams. Scammers. I'm getting my bills going up. Scammers. <laughs> I am doing a talk about how you can explain your, your CV in an interview, turning uh-huh. your career experience into right. chatty soundbites. But uh, uh-huh. part of that is start as I start off with a slide of a picture of me in August of 2010, okay. r- preparing for a job interview. Right. And my goodness, I look like I have. I clearly I put a lot of work in, <laughs> but it looks like I've literally just woken up, got dressed in the dark, that's, and that's a- I'm ready to go. The tie is is like tied so poorly. That it's below the second button on my shirt. Well, no, if you've got your tie, if your tie isn't at the top button, you can't tie the top button. Right, but the, the top button isn't even tied. Uh-huh. And for some reason, I yeah, thought... But then you have to get the tie to match. If your tie isn't isn't all the way up, you got to unbutton those buttons and just make it clear that, hey, I'm just well, casual. No, so, so usually if you're putting on a shirt, though, right. you have to do all the buttons up, right? You're right. Okay, well, yeah. anyway, and moral of the story, I, 2010, I looked like a mess... Yes. And little has changed. Okay. Hence why, at 30 years old, I am actually much happier having someone tell me what to wear rather than pick things out myself. Because if I pick them, they'll be wrong. Perfect. So what was that thing you are going to say about scammers, Perry? Scottish scammers? Yeah, yeah. So it's this idea that if you get an offer to work with someone, but you fundamentally disagree with their business practices... I mean, yeah. Do you take it? No, like, like it's what you're paid to do. It's, it, it, they're not, well, I don't know. It depends if you classify what they're doing as evil or not. Okay. Which for some of these companies, it is approaching that. Uh, but, you know, it's not illegal. <laughs> they are still within the law, but law doesn't always mean uh, moral. So it is a personal decision, but also I don't think it's your decision, right? Uh, you're no, working no. for somebody who's taking these contracts. You don't, you, you can't really take the blame for who's who's paying your business. But if you, if you were if you were going to Scottish Power and you were teaching them how to make it sound like it's a good thing that you're going to have to turn off your your heating every other day to survive this winter, then it's questionable, you know. Yeah, it's it's also the fact that you see that uh, the energy price has gone up, or or bills have gone up by four percent in France. They've gone up by something like twenty seven percent in Germany. 
who, who yeah, are... and the German Germany's Germans, you know, no longer worried about running out of gas or anything like that. R- right, uh, but they were getting the majority of their gas and up until that point from Russia. Yeah, and then in the UK, and now it's ten percent, and they're not worried. In the UK, where where our bills are something up like two hundred and eighteen percent now. Yeah, I had to look at my when my energy tariff is ending because if I go on confuse.com, other comparison sites are available, and look for a new energy tariff. It's going to be something like yes, mad three hundred quid a month. Yeah, and that's for my piddly little flat here. Yeah, yeah. What's, what do people with like actual homes do? Starve and or freeze. But you know oh. what? Starving and or freezing is very good for weight loss. Yeah. So if this winter you want to get your summer body ready, perfect. Power companies are on your side. Just eat cold tinned peaches. Just don't. Just don't eat. Oh uh, yeah. And also, don't turn your heating on, and you'll you'll lose weight rapidly. I feel like we're you'll jumping the gun somewhat. Cut for this summer. However, it does raise the question. I, I saw someone uh, write an article about this, probably in the Guardian, okay. which was uh, society is on, is on the the verge of uh, chaos. All it needs is a spark. Yes. Do you think uh-huh. that we are on the point of getting to where people will take to the streets and they are taking to the streets no but in in larger numbers because we've seen yeah, riots instead of instead of strikes basically correct do you think yeah. that's where we're at or we're heading there i think i think if uh the new pm whoever they might be comes in and keeps doing all of these whoever she is uh yeah whoever she happens to be keeps keeps uh all of her policies being copy paste of whatever the rightest of right-wing propaganda says is a good idea, then it will probably drive people to violence because things will just get really bad and really expensive for people who already can't afford what is expensive and what is already getting more expensive. So I I would believe it. I think the spark is the next PM if it's going to be anything. So unless we see a radical change of conservative policy, I I would expect riots here and there. Um, Maybe not like directly politically driven it might feel like it's completely random and makes no sense and it's just public unrest but that that's politically driven yeah you know it makes sense to people who have been watching the system for the for a while well i I saw an interview last week where someone said you know they've they've joined a group which is uh, all about stopping paying your energy bill but rather than it's yeah i've done that rather than like i don't want to do that it's i can't i i simply cannot pay this (laughs) i know it's really funny uh, trying to figure out who is signing up to these things because they could afford it and they're choosing not to. Or who's signing up just to show, hey, I'm not going to be able to afford this. Yeah. And it hurts. And I say it's, I say, I say it's really funny, but it's, it's, not, it's not really the, the good kind of funny. I'm sitting there uh, laughing in confusion as to how big of a problem this is. And just, I'm looking at the numbers. We're looking for getting a million people to sign up to these things, right? Yeah. And yeah. I'm trying to figure out what percentage of those people are just going to fulfill the promise by default. Not even have to choose to. But but surely, though, even if you decide not to pay, yeah. you're still going to have to owe that money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the idea... Otherwise, they'll, they'll get someone around and kick your door down. Yeah, the idea of these movements uh, would be more of put all the stress on the company all at once, rather than the usual like trickle trickling in of people not being able to afford their bills. Uh, we Everybody that might not be able to afford it and more, all at once, stop paying, and the companies go, ah, we can't handle this. Kind of like a pandemic situation, you know? 
all the problems all at once instead of instead of something that's more manageable. So yes, the money will still be owed, and yes, they can take you to they can kick your door down and take you to court. All of those scary, scary things. Yeah. But they won't have the resources to do that to everybody all at once. They have to come up with a different plan. Okay. And if they're smart companies, and if these nations smart, they'll intervene before the big all at once problem. Right. Okay. Well, just just before we actually start the show proper, any recommendations for London? Um. Well, <laughs> Well, uh, wear a mask, uh, especially one that will make you not breathe fumes. Oh, nice, yeah. Smells. There was, was a fumey smell everywhere I went. Well, especially if you're on the underground a lot, right? Oh, I, I didn't go on the underground. I dodged. Walked everywhere. But I've, I've been on I've been on the world's third oldest underground, and I don't need any any further experience. <laughs> okay, well, welcome to Seesaw Parade, world's third oldest podcast. We have been going for exactly. 293 episodes, maybe four if we count episode zero. And uh, welcome to the show, Scotland's longest running podcast. And uh, nya, 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 you can't listen to the first 100 episodes, they're gone. <laughs> I'm Colin, <laughs> still here. And uh, James, uh-huh. yeah, you're yeah, still yeah. there. Still, still here also, yeah. Oh, are still there. Yeah. And we don't pay our energy bill. Uh, well, do we? We currently do. What do we? We, cur- we currently do, but we'd like to. I've signed not- up to to stop paying when if it is deemed necessary by the majority. Right, I signed up to that, but I don't think it's going to happen. I think the idea of, I mean, I can pay, I can deal with the the. I can afford cost. the yeah, I can afford the change. Yeah, it just means that I'm going to have to cut back on other things, and of course, you're feeling for everybody. Yep. Anyway, this is Seesaw Parade. Thanks for a- listening. Anyway, we're just really moral and ethical people who do really good things all the this time. Is not true. Uh, you're welcome. <laughs> it's not. We're horrible people, but yep. we're not Tories. I did. Uh, did I tell you who I did some work for in Southampton? Tor- to- Tories? Not far off it. Oh, no. <laughs> Exxon Mobil. Oh, Tories. <laughs> $18 billion quarterly profit. Were you teaching them how to tell everybody that actually paying your bills to people who have more money than you could fathom is a really good thing to do? So no, so we are working out how can you explain that your company's made eighteen billion dollars, but you can't give your workers a pay rise. <laughs> it's because they spent they spent all the excess billion on bonuses. <laughs> <laughs> Their answer was uh, because all our workers own Porsches already; they're just being greedy. Uh, but we can't say that in public, so let's figure out something else. Hey, Pink Elephant, come over well, here. You can help. That's just a lie. Yeah, they're just lying to themselves. Yeah. Anyway. That's another example Not of their workers. No doing way. things you don't want to do, but people offer you money for it, so you do it anyway. Well, yeah, money spent on you is money not spent on Tory uh, lobbying. So, but enough about why we joined OnlyFans. This is your new favorite podcast, less popular than Scottish Power, which is well, actually, mm, good point. Well, I don't know because Scottish Power probably has more people who they pay bonuses to than people who listen to this show yeah. and I bet everyone who gets bonuses from that a company is that isn't actually Scottish at all and is just feeding our money to other nations uh, they're probably happy about being able to take advantage of us all okay well we're just gonna have to work on that uh, growing that listener base till we overcome Scottish power in terms of the popularity rankings yep and thank you very much for listening. You can get in touch with the show at Seesaw Parade on Twitter or Seesaw Parade at gmail.com. You can send us a review of anything at all. that you've seen, you've watched, a theatre production as we have this week from your, a bell. Your energy bill. Yeah, you can review that if you want. Yep. Just send us an audio of you uh, throwing up. <laughs> wow, no, don't. Don't do that. I'm, I, I'm, <laughs> or both. I'm sque- you know what? I was streaming yesterday and... You know how like the word you know how the word squeamish is a thing, what like I know that 
there's a lot of ways to make somebody s- squeamish <laughs> react in a squeamish manner. But what what do you what is the active what is the active word of of squeamish? Is it to squeam? Does it, oh, that's a good. I think so. Yeah, I squeam. You make someone squeam. I squeamed last night. <laughs> um. <laughs> I'm going to have to look that up. When was the last time you made someone squeam? Where was, uh, that's an excellent question. I have to look at my diary. When was the last time? Yeah. That's a sentence I never thought I'd think about. I just, I just I've, I have fallen in love with the word. It's brilliant. And I'm, if it's not being used before, you're welcome, everyone. Okay. Well, there we go. Learning new things on this show. And let's crack on, James. Let's talk for real about energy. Cause... You know what? Actually, no. I retract the question because, like, if you think about it in terms of like the word ticklish, it's the it's the doer that is the active person. So you tickle somebody who's ticklish. So it must be a active thing. You squeam someone. You don't squeam yourself. <laughs> okay. Well, well, that's settled. But you can squeam yourself, much like you can tickle yourself. Enough. I, I, I'm not judging. Let's talk and let's be quick about this because every single moment I record, I'm wasting my own money. <laughs> This show is, they're costing These us PCs, money. These they're so expensive for electricity. Uh, especially we're recording in the afternoon. This is like peak time. Ah. So come on, let's go. All right, we're in. Man, don't make me think about electricity. I'll scream. Okay, stop. This is the news. That the price cap for October... You know what? I'm just going to speak really slowly to make sure it's an expensive episode for both of us. Price cap for October <laughs> has been unveiled by Offgem. Unveiled, yes. Like it was some prestige prize. You know, nobody saw this this coming. It was such a, such a treat for us all. Oh, yes. Turning up the heat. Households in Great Britain are now facing a leap of almost double the previous price cap. Crazy. The average gas and electricity bill is now going to be three and a half thousand pounds a year. That is an increase so cool. I love of it. nearly sixteen hundred pounds on the previous cap, which was nineteen hundred pounds. So that is yeah, a rise of eighty yep. percent and that is nearly treble what it was this time last year mm-hmm. when it was raised to at just over twelve hundred pounds. So Mm-hmm. That's what happened, and of course, the next cap is coming in January. We had the consultancy firm Cornwall Insight raising its forecast for that announcement to five thousand three hundred eighty-seven pounds. Where uh, previously, dear listener, if you cast your mind back, uh, it was initially predicted as four six five zero, and then the April cap next year to six and a half thousand pounds, up from uh, five. So. We're we're talking about James. Our energy bills, even though they have just doubled as of last week, uh, within six months they are going to double again. Yep. And they will be you will be paying six times more for your energy than you did this time last year. That is absolutely hideous, and it's and people uh, were struggling this time last year. Yep. It's it's all a scam. The entire system is a scam, and it, the scam is funded and empowered by spineless. Tory policy of privatizing everything, giving us no affordable public options, and then letting okay, uh, businesses take all the profit and give it into random bank accounts in random countries. I I mentioned at the start of the show how France has capped theirs at 4%, how Germany is at 23%, 27%. Why? Because I, I genuinely am asking this question. Well, why is it 
going up to what looks like yeah. 600% in the UK. One, I believe the EU is generally more regulated and cooperates a bit more. <laughs> you know, now we're not in the EU, so we have a little bit less of that overall. Uh, they are not led by the likes of Boris and the Tories. So even if there are countries out there who have completely privatized systems, which I'm pretty sure Germany doesn't, and I'm pretty sure France doesn't, but even if they've got fully privatized systems, they've got leaders who care a bit more and want to help people a bit more. Or they've got better regulation, the likes of which the Tories would never be interested in in having an eye on or even thinking about. Um, right. But at the same time, all of those all those countries out there that have better regulation, they're harder to take advantage of. They leave countries like ours that are easier to take advantage of as the target for these insane profits. So when these businesses see, oh, everyone's in a massive crisis, we provide something that people cannot opt out of. They need this to survive. We can ramp up the cost to infinity and they will have to pay. Right, hold on. Let's target the vulnerable people in okay. the UK. Okay, but you're talking about, you know, Tories failing to put in the same checks and balances and, and looking out ultimately for, for this rampant profiteering. But it's it's gonna it's coming to a head. You know, if it, if the bills go to six and a half thousand pounds for households, we've also been seeing this week businesses are how, gonna die, yeah. Right. Businesses are now yeah, they're, they're just going to go under. Yeah. There was a, a bakery here in Airdrie, which is just outside Glasgow, yeah. whose annual gas bill has gone from £6,000 to £79,000. Yeah. And that is because businesses aren't capped in the same way as households. And this guy who's saying, look, we literally just opened up a new uh, hub, a new office in Livingston, and it's just going to have to close because we yeah. cannot afford this anymore. So that's going to happen. If that's one case study, this is going to happen everywhere across the UK. So well, the Tories it, are going to have to do something, even though yeah. the only bit of advice we've had so far was from Boris, Buy a kettle, yeah. who said, hey, if you've got a kettle, which uh, is old, spend 20 quid, you'll get a new one, and it'll save you £10 a year. £10 a year. Which is just going to help so much. So that's where we're at. And of course... I can't believe that he added that in his final speech. His, right. his final part of his legacy. Some stupid kettle advice. And of course, we all the chat we've had so far has been... Nothing is happening from the government until new prime minister is in place. Which, by the way, Isn't, voting yeah. between Sunak and Truss is ending in about 90 minutes. It's Friday afternoon, yep. uh, dear listener. And the votes are... Be, the results are being announced on, on Monday. So... They're going to have to do something. Yeah, next this time, next podcast, we shall have a new PM. We shall. I'm trying to figure out a way of getting her pronoun into the that sentence. I just did. So that will be, <laughs> <laughs> that will be happening, and then I'll be really interested to see yeah. what they offer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They can't they can't postpone because anymore because if someone like this bakery in Airdrie, if their gas bill has gone up to nah, 79,000 nah, pounds... No, nah, they don't well, care on, about small business. If that's gone up in th- to that in the space of, what, nine months? And then we've got further projections for the next year and Offgem who are warning that 2023 will get significantly worse. They're going to have to do something. Yeah, and I don't, no. And it's going to have to be really radical because the 400 pounds that they've already committed yeah. is nowhere near enough. Mm-hmm. But also they could just let all the small businesses who don't have the resources to last another crisis die. Uh, but, but then what? Keep giving bailouts and help to the big businesses who, they, who can then buy up all of the super cheap premises and super cheap equipment and expand and take over where the small businesses used to be. And then they can help 
and only the big business friends are there and all the small businesses are dead and all the poor people are dead and it's just the Tories and their friends but that... and that's their view it's, it's the Tory it's the Tory system collapse things invest because you're the only people that have capital left and then improve it and all the stuff that you invested after you collapsed everybody else's lives gives you back tenfold that's that's their method that's why Brexit happened. That's why all the private, private, privatization of stuff happened over the years. It is the Tory system. There, there must be, though, I'm saying this with the, the smallest... You're being very hopeful. ...glimmer of, of hope. Yeah. There must be something else in that where the level of pressure... No. ...on the governments, but also, as we'll talk about in a second, councils and local government, is just going to reach fever pitch because people are going to be businesses will be shutting left right and center unless some radical help is brought out and with people's wages failing to go up as well it will reach breaking point and society and and uh, the people will begin to make yeah. their voices heard in much more the, violent ways the, the problem for the tories is that if they try to help they will prove that socialism is the only sustainable uh system because they're the only way to help at this point is to be giving out the resources people need yeah, from the government, which is, you know, this socialism everybody hates and is so scared of. And the Tories won't do that. They'll try and sell it as capitalists somehow, and they will do something, and they'll try and give it a business first and a, a national pride kind of feel, but it will be an act of socialism. Um, and But, but they also aren't experienced in doing that well, so they won't do a good job. So the only things they can do is something that they stand against poorly, uh, and their other option is to keep doing what they usually do, even though the crisis that we're facing eh, it isn't going to work for them. My The thing I'm saying they're going to do, which is try and invest in failed businesses in a failed state and then get their investments back in 10 years' time tenfold, I don't think that works this time because the collapse is too big. The the system is too broken for that to work, but it's the only thing the Tories know what to do. So their options are to be Tories and probably lose and probably get labelled as the party that oversaw uh, one of the biggest collapses in the nation's history or do some socialism as Tories, which is also embarrassing for them. And I don't really see another option for them aside from taking out... A, a whole lot of loans from the World Bank or whatever stupid system there is, and then trying to feed that into the nation in a non-socialist way, which I don't really know what that looks like. Okay, well, I did mention uh, the strikes which have been happening over the last two weeks. You can't really do what I said. Well, yeah, indeed. But this is the uh, something which, if you've been in Edinburgh, Glasgow, or any other of uh, 13 of the 32 local authorities in Scotland, you will have noticed the rubbish begin to pile up. James, did you notice anything outside your neck of the woods? Uh, I went and put the bin out, and the bin was already full. Ah! Oh. That's fine. Nightmare. Well, yes, the bins have all been full here. Yeah. I was in Glasgow City Centre on Wednesday, and it was a tip. It is, yeah. There were... Oh, it was and terrible. Really? It. And that's only been a week. Uh, uh, yeah. And this was... Or maybe it was less than a week. But Edinburgh kicked it off first. Of course, the fringe is still ongoing. So even though there was usually... Yeah, good timing, good timing. Usually when the pavements uh, just become leaflets rather than cobbles, just <laughs> yeah. add lots of coffee cups to that instead. Yeah. So that had been going on for about a week. But as of uh, seven minutes ago, Unison, which is one of the three main unions, has called off their strikes next week after a new offer was made 
two Scottish council workers in this dispute over pay. All right. So this means that uh, it would be a bigger pay rise for most staff instead of the uh, cost of living payments, which had been suggested. Yeah. But both the GMB and Unite are still discussing these details, which were put forward by uh, the local government body, COSLA. And this is at the end of an 11-hour meeting on Thursday, which was, was hosted by the First Minister herself. Mm-hmm. And uh, that means that the planned strikes for the non-teaching school staff, as well as, yes, the refuse workers, bin collectors, they've called those off if you're part of Unison. But this, yeah. James, did make a big impact. People, as like myself, saw That's it point, yeah. and thought, wow, that is... Glasgow is disgusting. And you realise then how much they actually do because that was the space of maybe four yeah, days. it's almost like it's an essential service or something and they should be paid well. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it did make an impact. Yeah. And you'll see that across any any industries planning to strike. You might not see it quite as visibly in all of the strikes, but generally, if an entire workforce is willing to go on strike and cause what could be interpreted as quite a lot of harm, Yeah, they're not evil people. They're just normal people like you, normal people like me, normal people like all the listeners. They don't have zero morals, so they've got a reason to be striking. And so when you see rubbish piling up, and you know that the binmen are going to come back in a month's time and have to deal with all of that, that they were fighting a fight that they knew was necessary, and you can be proud of that mountain of rubbish. So when you see the likes of nurses and doctors talking about strikes and you think about the direct harm that will cause over that short period of time they try to limit the harm as best as they can of course you got to think how much harm they're trying to avoid in the future by doing the strike same for the refuse collectors and stuff like that the the harm that we see in these moments is an entire industry's effort to make less harm happen over the next decade by a by an order of magnitude and so we, I, I am. I, it's really good to be seeing uh, support for strikers and support for unions rising, even in, in a crisis where people might be a bit more scared of of these things, and where you see the propagandists getting a whole lot of screen time on the news and and different media. So uh, good on the, the, the them for getting a new deal offered. Uh, I hope it is enough, and if it's not, then hope they strike again and keep on going. And same to all the other industries that are feeling completely hard done by and have been for for decades at this point. Yeah, it's it's easy to, and I, I jumped to this instant uh, feeling as soon as I saw the rubbish, be appalled yeah. and say, oh, this is horrible, this is disgusting. Why have they done this? How in, how inconvenient. Yeah, why would anyone do this? But as, yeah. as you say... Ah, don't they think of me? I am in a very privileged position where I am paid well for a job that I enjoy yeah. and I'm good at. And it's something that mm-hmm. I'm using my skill set at. Yeah. Whereas these are people doing what you would class as a very menial job. You are picking up rubbish. But you realise... I wouldn't, I wouldn't do a good job of it. <laughs> I'm squeamish. <laughs> it would make you squeam. And this is where... You realise, okay, so now versus my cushy job, yeah, people who are doing something which is you would view on a scale of you know lawyer slash doctor to toilet cleaner, in that stereotypical way you rank jobs, yeah, yeah refuse yeah. workers, bin men, that's near the bottom. That's where people would joke and be like, ah, you're going to leave school and be a bin man. Yeah, you're not smart. You're going to be a bin it's man. Used as a punchline. Yeah, but then you so, think about it, and they're like the backbone of the nation. <laughs> Precisely. And that's my point. 
even though it's viewed as this terrible, menial, rubbish job, yeah. it is essential because yeah. this is what happened after, what, a week? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The whole country just, in the, in the most literal form, it went to sh- yeah, and that's because bin workers stop doing but work. Yeah, you apply that same logic to the rest of the industries. You apply it to drivers and you, like truck drivers and stuff like that. You you apply it to the people who who work in retail. And you think about how yep. bad things would be if it wasn't for all these jobs that people look down on. And then the next level of thought is thinking about why we look down on them. And it all comes back to education. It all comes back to the propaganda of the upper classes and stuff like that, where. Uh, right, uneducated workers don't need the same pay as everybody else, or something stupid like that. Where and clearly everyone deserves good pay. Clearly, yeah. any job should be enough to sustain a family, not just a person. And here's my here's my larger point: Would the world keep turning? Would society survive without me and my job? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Would it survive without <laughs> refuse workers? No. The police would turn into anarchy yeah. because of all this rubbish. There would be rodents even more. There would be all sorts of disease and infections and yeah, all this hor- horrible, horrible stuff. The world's done it and before. so as much as on first sight, on first smell, yeah, terrible, to me it just highlighted how important this role actually is. And yes, they should be paid more because... If I were to be, yeah, say, hey, do you want to be a bin man? I'd look at the wages and say, no, probably not. So yeah. as much as, yeah, it's maybe unsightly and it's smelly, it's necessary. And they, more than much more than me, will be feeling this cost of living crunch. So, yeah, I, I completely agree that they need to only return to work once they have an offer that they and their workers are satisfied with. Yeah. And if anyone out there listening just kind of is a bit anti-strike and a bit anti-union, like have a have a few meta-level thoughts here. Do I, I I do encourage critical thinking about all of this because we are taught it is ingrained in our upbringing in the UK that these jobs are not equal and not worthy of the same things as as educated workers, and then somehow teachers get lumped into that same group. So it just doesn't make sense. <laughs> well, again, I would say with teachers, I know they uh, they've called off the strikes now. But people would say, ah, oh, teachers, no, you should you should be going into school. You get 12 weeks holiday. You get paid all this <laughs> they stuff. Don't, they don't get a single day of holiday. Right. <laughs> you have been, and I've heard so many stories, even just last week, of you know new teachers and these horrendous experiences they're having to put up with and pupils who perhaps need to be in other schools and they're the ones who still have to turn up every single day, even though they're being assaulted in some cases by these people, by these youngsters who, who simply don't know any better. And yeah. again, if teachers decide to go on strike, you realise how much of an impact that plays in society. So yeah, yeah, again, it's it is a good thing, even though it is an inconvenience. Yeah, you look at watch the media, watch their propagandizing, watch all the fake stuff that they say, and you can really pick it apart just by thinking about how vast of a range of jobs are covered by what they're talking about. It's everything from refuse workers to teachers to nurses to care workers. All of these industries that are so vital, and yet we are told that they should just get on with it for the good of. I don't know, the rest of us? Yeah. That's a bit selfish of the rest of us. (laughs) Indeed. Okay, let's move on. Let's talk about Ukraine. We are now six months into the conflict, which is wild. That's passed really quickly. So the... It definitely hasn't gone according to the Russians' plan. I think they were looking at two weeks and done. Yeah, but the idea was by the end of February, they'd be, you know, having crumpets in, in Kiev because everyone would have bowed down and let them come in and 
take what's rightfully theirs in their own yeah. mind. But here we yeah. are, six months in, and uh, a, a tour of the headlines. First of all, Putin put out a special decree to recruit an extra 100,000 soldiers. Did you see this? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So the Russian military is currently at 1.3 million, but the losses that they've totted up in the last six months has been close to 100,000. So here they are looking for 100,000 more victims to send to their deaths. Well, exactly, yeah. So that's... Uh, they just have realised that the meat grinder is going to be ongoing, so yeah. more meat. We'll come back to, to Russia in a second. Ukrainians, meanwhile, Ukrainian military have begun their counter-offensive in the south of the country, taking back mm-hmm. uh, the land which was lost in the Donbass and around Kharkiv in the north, and they're also now uh, looking to the east of the country too. Yeah. If you look at the map of how much Russia has taken... It isn't. It isn't a huge amount. In ter- of course, it's still an inch more than they ever should have taken. The amount of land still surpasses the size of several countries. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. So that's what's been happening. Ukrainians now looking to uh, counterattack ahead of the winter, because that's where um, Russia typically and historically have gained more ground. I don't know why that is, but they just have. Right. So that's the bugs. Are that's frozen. what's happening on the. On the on the battleground, but what we also had this week as well, though James was the death of the former or the last uh, Soviet Union leader Mikhail Gorbachev, indeed, who was the uh, in this article described as the most influ- or one of the most influential political figures of the twentieth century, true, who presided over the dissolution of the Soviet Union that yes. had existed for nearly seventy years, right, and. Uh, when he first took power in 1985, he was like the young guy who was stepping in after years and years of old people in Russia. I believe it was Ronald Reagan who said he would love to do a deal with Russia, but their leaders keep dying. Mm-hmm. And then here here came Gorbachev, and he opened up the USSR. They brought in uh, Western brands. They sure, encouraged yeah. people to, to come and go. Pizza was there. Yes, it was a whole Pizza Hut advert, all these different things. And then when things like, when the Iron Curtain started to come down, when there were riots, when the Berlin Wall began to crumble, yeah. he let it happen. And yeah. ultimately it ended the Soviet Union and we had all these different independent states. I was reading about this in the in midweek. Fascinating. I had no idea yeah. how influential Gorbachev was. And of course he has been mourned no, yeah. sorely by Western leaders about uh, how much of an impact he made. Western leaders, yes. But then of course that's been contrasted with the reaction in Russia mm-hmm. where Putin essentially said, yep, very sad that he died, but also... You know, he he ruined the best thing we had going. So well, yeah, uh, yeah. We don't care. No, no, Putin's not, he, and he's well, not going. He's not going to the funeral either. He's not getting a full state funeral. Putin's not going to the funeral. But Putin has also, I think, said something at the body or whatever. He's he's like he's been relatively respectful. All things considered, yeah. He, he laid and some roses there from within Russia. Gorbachev has seen. With not quite as bright a shining uh, pair of gl- of glasses as he has seen in the in the West, because like of course the West likes the guy because he he uh, didn't he didn't do a war he ended the he Cold War reduced the nuclear arms yeah he he is he is credited with ending the Cold War he he got rid of well he got rid of some yep. nu- nukes he he lessened the total number of nukes that's great he did he opened up some markets and. Uh, uh, 
started some form of a democracy and all of these things that were big changes that were of course supported by the West and praised by the West but he also did preside over the collapse of the Soviet Union and if you liked the Soviet Union which a lot of people in Russia did because for a long time it was pretty good for them you're going to blame the guy who was there when it collapsed pretty heavily and especially if he kind of let it happen and some of his policies encouraged it to happen sooner Oh, I, my doorbell just went. Okay, well, I will fill for time and tell you some more facts about Gorbachev if you are new to this or perhaps unaware of the history. Of course, he was very open uh, for for democracy. And although he was initially a bit reluctant, uh, the breakup of the USSR started with Latvia, with Lithuania, mm-hmm. Estonia. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also then had in 1989, when the citizens of East Germany decided to cross over into West Berlin. Yep. Here's one thing I did learn this week, okay. that actually people were crossing over before the Berlin Wall came down. Oh, yeah, yeah, But they yeah. were allowed to. I didn't know that. I thought that was literally the first time they were allowed in. Nope. They had uh, they had been allowed in, and that was just the the next to- thing to crumble. This is the, the big, the, yeah, the, the huge moment, yeah. Yeah, so then by, by 1990, Gorbachev had been awarded the Nobel Peace Prize. Yes, by the rest of the world. Um, and that's the key yeah. thing. And, is... and then, sorry, in 1991, the communist old guard in Moscow had had enough. They staged a military coup. Gorbachev was arrested whilst he was on holiday. Uh, and then within, yeah. what, six months, yeah. Gorbachev was gone. The Communist Party itself was outlawed and Russia yeah. became Russia. The USSR, the Soviet Union flag, had flown for the last time. Yeah. And so we look at this, and from a Western perspective, there's a lot of good there. And there is a lot of good there. The more I hear about the guy, the more he seems to just be somebody who cared about about people in in a more direct way than his predecessors had, or in a more dire- direct way than people like Putin do. Um, he talked to people who had experienced war, and they would prefer to struggle for food than go back to war, and he heard that. And he knew that there was this means of survival. And he did try to change his system slowly. He tried to find some weird middle ground between uh, state-run communism and market. That doesn't work. System collapsed. The system was collapsing anyway. Um, but the key, the two key points for me, if you want a Russian perspective and then uh, my perspective on what it teaches us, uh, would be that if you look at the 90s in Russia and you look at the quality of life compared to the years before that and the decades before that, you see it was one of their worst times. The system collapse might have been good for a lot of countries. It might have been good for Western markets and the profits here. But the the the, the there was a crisis of living in Russia itself. Yep. A rural areas have never really recovered. There are several... Uh, places in Russia that used to be habited that are just inhabited now and nobody lives there because the system was so uh, bad. Un- uninhabited. <laughs> they, have, they have been. So They were habited, now they they're were, inhabited. Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> Scream. Um, <laughs> so so with, from within the borders will be, there's a very justified reason to look back at this figurehead of that time period and blame him and hate him for it. And that's why he's not getting the full state burial and it would be a bit of a slap in the face if Putin actually did give him that, um, especially with people who, who liked the Soviet Union. But then we look... And we look at the UK right now, and we're looking at a system collapse. And we're looking at who is in charge of the UK right now. They are directly involved with the system collapse. If we manage to collapse to even 10% of the degree that the USSR did, I hope that the people that were kind of in charge 
get a lasting legacy that ties them into it. Okay. Because it is way more justified <laughs> in our instance. <laughs> Let's go back to what's happening in Ukraine then. Also this week, a UN inspection team entered the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant yeah. on Thursday after months of concern that we were imminently away from a, a, radio, a radioactive incident. So they arrived on Thursday. Yeah. Their only goal is to safeguard this plant against a potential catastrophe. Of course. Because the uh, the fighting has been going on between the Russians and Ukrainians pretty much at the plant, which seems like a terrible, terrible idea, almost as well, if they want it yeah. to happen. Yeah, 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 it's a really bad idea. It's, it's, it's a, kind of like a hostage situation almost. Deliberately. Okay, so that's ongoing. There's 14 members of the International Atomic Energy Agency who are there, and uh, they, I guess, will be there for the foreseeable future to make sure that it is stable. Mm -hmm. The other thing that's happened, a couple other headlines. Let's go to Russia. They shut down Nord Stream 1. This is the major gas pipeline which sends supplies to Europe. They have completely halted. That supply, uh, they've said it's going to last for three days, apparently for maintenance. But of course, Uh nobody believes that for a second. It's Russia. And says, nope, that just sounds like you're doing it because you want to. And uh, capacity has been way down in the meantime as well. And lastly, the last thing I want to talk about is the death of... I want to say his name was uh, Maganov. Yes, it was the head oh, yeah, of yeah. Russia's second largest oil producer, Luke Oil, wow. who allegedly, on Thursday, died after falling from a hospital window. You know, that just this was the, very familiar. The chairman, uh, Ravel Maganov, yeah. Hmm. So several sources. These, these Russian hospital windows, I think they're up to something. They're very faulty, yes. Yeah. So this is, uh, several sources said that the 67-year-old had fallen, uh, but the circumstances surrounding this were unclear. He is, uh-huh. and here's here's the uh, the fact of the matter, the eighth oil executive wow. to Russian oil executive to die wow. in the last six months. Mr. Maganov himself, how many of them fell out of a window? Had spoken out against the uh, military invasion, yeah. and had said something to that effect in the opening weeks. Um, he, he called for the soonest possible end to the armed conflict. Yep. And then on Thursday, he allegedly fell out a window. How about that, James? How about that? Yeah, imagine. So Russia's still doing Russia things with their windows. Um, of course, I'm not accusing anyone of, of deliberately doing it. It's just no, of faulty, course not. faulty windows that people keep accidentally yeah. falling out of and such similar accidents and things like that. Um, you know, and, and, and you know, people people have called for peace and died of old age, like Gorbachev. Chov. Uh, but I guess he also supported Crimea, so maybe that got him a freebie, and he got to die <laughs> without a window. Sorry, he supported the annexation of Crimea, and therefore he got the right. freebie and didn't get pushed out a window when he supported peace. <laughs> Big picture, though, six months in. I mean, we're in, this 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 could be this could be six this could be six years. This could be an ongoing almost North South Korea yeah, thing, couldn't it? Yeah. Now, now I, I think that so long as there is continued support for U- Ukraine from its allies and and countries that are interested, it, it will be. And eventually there will be, with I, it could be anything from a month to two decades, there will be a peace talk that happens that, that actually has a sustained plan for peace. Um, it doesn't look like it's going to happen if Putin's alive, but some people are saying he's dying. So... The future is just as much of a 50-50 as it has been since the war started. Okay, James, let's talk some other 
world news stories. We're going to start right. in Liverpool oh. and the death of a nine-year-old girl who was shot dead ac accidentally well, yeah. in her home in Liverpool. Yeah, say that as if it was an accident. A gunman who was chasing someone yes. ran into this house in uh, Dovecot uh, in late August and as the mother and the uh, the man who was injured and fleeing from the gunman attempted to wrestle uh, the weapon away, the nine-year-old was shot in the chest, the yeah. mother was uh, shot in the wrist, yeah. and the gunman then legged it. So despite best efforts of paramedics, of police, uh, the nine-year-old girl who was called Olivia, she died. And the man who was being chased, who was a, a drug dealer, mm -hmm. Joseph Nee, who was the intended target of the attack, uh, was also arrested, taken to hospital, mother also in hospital, and neither of these men had any links to this family. So That's awful. It's absolutely horrendous, yeah, really tragic. The last bit of news has been that CCTV has been released off the gunman. Okay. Police have arrested two people, neither of whom appear to be the one they're looking for. Right. And they've appealed for anyone who may be sheltering this person, people who know full well who it is, yeah. and aren't saying anything. But by the looks of things, and of course we uh, have no idea of the, uh, the inner machinations of this uh, inquiry, this investigation, but it would appear like they are still looking for the actual shooter. Yes, un an unknown shooter as of yet, according to the public information. And all we can hope is that, you know, they, they find out who it is and that they get brought to justice, you know, because they like this is the biggest sign that this is somebody who it is not safe to have in the public. <laughs> so if anybody ever deserved a, a long time out of the public eye and out of public streets, it is someone like this who is uh, willing to chase uh any individual into an unknown premises and with a weapon. If somebody's willing to brandish a weapon at all, you know? Uh, it's it's heartbreaking. Uh, but gun crime still a problem here. It's, it is good and important to remember that so that we can keep uh, pressure on people who can reduce it to keep on actively reducing it and not waste their resources elsewhere. Okay, let's uh, talk about what's happening in Pakistan as well. Oof. This is something which has only really gathered the headlines in the last few days. The latest figures show that over 1,200 people have died from flooding yeah. as I planes mean... carrying supplies begin to arrive in the country. Of course, there are still hundreds of people unaccounted for, and now the risk is, uh, people are talking about the risk of disease and homelessness oh, and yeah, people yeah, who yeah. are who will die as a result of the fallout of this flooding. So we've had... Which will happen, yeah, will happen, yeah. Yeah, so we've had officials who blamed unusual monsoon seasons, flooding, mm. um, climate change, of course. That was well, yeah, the, the UN Secretary General. Yeah, I wonder why there's unusual monsoons, yeah. Indeed. So the UN Secretary General, Antonio Guterres, called on the world to stop sleepwalking through this crisis. But sorry to tell you, Antonio, that's exactly what's happening. Uh, new, yeah, it's going to keep happening, yeah. New Google images from uh, satellites released by I the European Space Agency have shown the extent of the flooding, and it basically looks like yeah, Pakistan's been turned into a, a lake by the amount of, of water that's yeah, there. It was, it, was, it was incredible images. Like, seeing those, it's crazy to me, even if it's in a not very populated area, it's crazy to me 
the 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 low number of uh, confirmed deaths. I, I I wouldn't be surprised if over time that the confirmed number was way higher, and that the results of this are going to be generations worth of recovery this is a huge disaster and hopefully they're getting all the aid and relief that they need the other thing that's that's really put it into contrast for me because of course they're they've put out appeals for uh aid from around the world and that's beginning to trickle in but the here's the stat that i read since 1959 pakistan has emitted about 0.4 percent of carbon dioxide into the atmosphere, which traps heat. Mm-hmm. And then you compare that with the 215 from the US and the yeah. 16.4 from China. Yeah. So that dwarfs anything. That's like 400% higher. Yeah. Like that's an understatement. It's thousands of percentage higher uh, than Pakistan. But they're the ones who have, as this official says here, yeah. seen a 400% increase in average rainfall in parts of Pakistan, uh, areas which had record temperatures in May and are now suffering from record-breaking flooding and it's the fact that yes whilst they as a country contributed very little yeah over the last 80 years to climate change they're the ones who are feeling the brunt of it yeah there's a lot of really trash takes about climate change like poor countries are really to blame because they still like burn coal in their homes or they still have wood burning stoves and stuff like that but you just look at the stats and you see this industrialized countries. <laughs> it's the rich ones that have done it all. And all these poor countries that people are scapegoating as, as wood burners and, and, and carbon emitters, they have not had the chance uh, to cause the same damage that the rest of us have. And yet when they're the ones that are, that are suffering uh, at least equally, if not more. You see, like, I think China's having a drought right now. They've One of their major rivers dried up and one of their hydro dams emptied out and stuff like that. And it feels like, well, you know what? If they've, if they've contributed a measurable percentage of global warming, uh, you know, I think they've earned the occasional drought compared to uh, other places that haven't, like Pakistan. So we've got to change the way we talk about this. And I hope that when we, we do start figuring out who's accountable and who needs to do the work, that there is a measure of not everybody just has to do their fair, no, not sorry, not everyone has to do an equal share, but that everyone has to do a fair share. Because there are countries that are going to suffer if we decide to like ban concrete across the board, for example. There's countries that haven't had the chance to use concrete to industrialize that are going to suffer from that. Whereas maybe we should ban con- concrete in countries like the US and China and all of Europe, things like that. Okay, one more international story. Let's talk about Argentina and the shocking footage, which I I watched this morning, of the vice president who avoided assassination after the gunman's weapon jammed. Have you seen this? Unbelievable. Oh, so footage shows the moment that Cristina Fernandez de Kirchner, who is the the vice president of the country, who is greeting supporters outside her home, uh, surrounded by a big group of people who are taking selfies and pictures, and she's shaking hands, and then suddenly out of the middle of nowhere, uh, an outstretched arm and a gun, and someone pulls a trigger, probably about, what, six inches from her face? Yeah. It's inches away from her face. It's and terrifying. obviously, obviously, it clicks and it does nothing. And I think that he then drops the weapon. And she and I've watched the footage a few times. She clearly doesn't realize what's going on and kind of looks to the floor and sees that something been dropped. In fact, no, never mind. Gunman does not drop his weapon, but she thinks that something has been dropped and right. she goes down and okay. bends down to see what it is. Clearly, had no idea what was happening. Yeah, I mean, yeah. but then the crowd realize, oh, someone's just yeah. tried to shoot her in the head and grab him. Police say the uh, the man's been identified as a 35-year-old Brazilian hmm. and is now in custody. Yeah. So 
they're looking to establish a motive for this attack on the left-leaning politician who was the president between 2007 to 2015 and was also the first lady for four years before that. And the current president yeah. revealed... Is, is, has been under investigation for corruption. Indeed. But, you know. The president revealed that the gun was loaded with five bullets but failed to fire. On It's crazy. Really horrendous stuff. Yeah, and like we're going to keep seeing, we're going to keep seeing it. Weapons are uh, accessible, politicians are very public and every single one of them is going to have active haters and people who are interested in ending their lives and it's going to be something we're going to keep seeing and this one is 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 terrifying just just how vulnerable these people are because you got to imagine especially in places like Argentina that they got security they know they know what they know the risks and yet still a huge terrifying moment well you're right because we've seen you know, even in this country a few years ago now, Joe Cox was was murdered by someone who, as you say, had enemies. Yeah, and or not even not, not even enemies, just people. It's, it's, yeah, it's just people who are actively <laughs> interested in shutting down their politics. Yeah, who didn't like her politics and so shot and stabbed her, uh, which was yeah, that's horrendous. And that was, I mean, that's six years ago now, but well, um, it's a reflection of the fact that these people are still out there. Last year, um, a conservative MP died. Uh, Ames? Ames? Oh, yes, uh, Ames. David Ames. Ames, yeah, sorry. Um, That was, uh, of course, on the opposite end of the political spectrum here, but obviously also has people who are interested in shutting them down for whatever policy. So, but politicians, it's a dangerous job. And even in countries like the UK, where you feel a lot safer than you might in, in, in other nations. Okay, one more story I want to talk about before we move on to our final section. And this is uh, breaking news that the US court or a US court has made public the inventory of material seized by the FBI from oh. the home of the former president, Donald Trump. Uh, We talked about this in a recent episode. Mm -hmm, The mm -hmm. Mar-a-Lago premises were raided and lots of stuff was taken. According to this filing, agents took 33 boxes worth of documents, including dozens of empty folders marked as classified. Yeah, I wonder where those are. Indeed, probably in the the U-bend of a toilet. It also reveals (laughs) that several documents marked secret and top secret were recovered from Mr. Trump's office in his home. So he, of course, denies wrongdoing. But among the items recovered after this search in August were three documents marked confidential, 17 marked secret, seven marked top secret, and then 43 empty folders with classified banners on them. Yeah. And 28 empty folders which are labelled Return to Military Aid slash Staff Secretary. Mm. And as we've talked about before, upon leaving office, US presidents must transfer all of their documents and emails to the National Archives. But of course, Trump did not. Took it home. No, so the librarians are coming for him. The most dedicated people in the world. Do you think that... Um, Sorry, just at this point, because the FBI have been involved in a whole host of court battles and legal action ever since that raid... And now seem to be. Uh, I mean, first of all, they wanted to unseal the uh, the what's it, the warrant, the warrant for going the in affidavit, affidavit. That's it, because people were saying, "Hey, you weren't allowed to do that." And they said, "Well, fine. You want to know why we did it? Actually, here it yeah, is." Here. <laughs> and now yeah. the court has said, "Okay, now you can talk about what you took." Yeah. And clearly, there's enough. They were right to do it because all that stuff was yeah. there. Well, and yeah, and there's a lot of questions about this stuff because. Uh, there, 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 there's the potential of like who he leaked the stuff to because Trump is a talker. We, that's established. He's given away national secrets yeah, on yeah. TV. 
so there's like they they got to put a lot of pieces together. And while maybe some of that stuff he can't get charged for because it would just be guesses and estimations, he can get he can get jail time for this. He he increased the the time. Uh, sorry, he yeah he increased the punishment possible for a crime like this. Yep. Either that or he increased how long uh, it was an act considered active for. Uh, why it's actually a similar crime to the uh, thing that Snowden is 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 uh, in jail for. Oh yeah, and I'm pretty sure Trump called for Snowden to be executed. <laughs> so, uh, iron irony there, I must say. Um, unlike unlike Snowden, Trump clearly wasn't doing any whistleblowing or any good for the public kind of reveals. Um, yeah, yeah. So, like, it would be, this could be a, yet another thing. Hey, Trump could be getting in trouble. When's it going to happen? Eh, who knows? But this one feels more real than a lot of the other ones have. Oh, for sure. I mean, that's the thing with the legal issues he's having in, I want to say, New York mainly, mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. his with taxes, with uh, fraud, with corruption. Because it's aimed at his organization rather than him, yeah, yeah, yeah. there will be other patsies he could pass that off to. Whereas this is very much, you were the president. Yeah. This was in your home. Yeah. You had he the broke, ultimate he say. You broke a law. Yeah. You broke the law. So I agree. His, even his own lawyers are being told to shut up because they're they're going to get in trouble if they keep if they keep talking about it. But ultimately, um, you know, what's what's the punishment? Because was he just banned from running again? Because surely he would say that's unconstitutional. Partly that, yeah, I, I believe it. Uh, technically, you can be executed for it if it gets if it, if anything treasonous happened. I think in wow. the states still like, but of course, Trump would just be sent off to some private home and <laughs> told not to leave. You know, um, he's never going to get real trouble. But as long as he is, is, is has to stop being a public figure, I'd be somewhat happy, I guess. Um, but no, his businesses are getting targeted, and if they get if they get trouble, great. He's still getting investigated for all the election meddling, and while a lot of his uh, subordinates are taking the flak there for now, he will eventually be involved in those investigations too. So it is it is ramping up over time. I think this is the big one that would help him uh, get removed from the race uh, in the next presidential election. But I, I kind of don't want that to happen because, I, well, at least not until the Republicans have, have done enough infighting to hate each other, you know? Got to get the timing right <laughs> for me. I'm sure the FBI don't care, but, yeah, you know, for me, I'd, I'd like them to get the timing perfect just to, to, just to destroy the Republicans to the highest degree. Okay, James, let's wrap up. Let's talk about entertainment and other lighter news. I have seen two movies, one on Netflix, one in the cinema. What have you got? Hey, cool. I haven't finished the anime. Okay. Uh, I'm going to start with, well, which one would you like? Because I have, uh, yeah, Netflix or cinema? Cinema. Okay. Let me tell you, dear listener, about Nope, which I don't know if we talked about the trailer. When it came out. I can't remember. Maybe we did. I think we talked about the first trailer. Yeah. So this is the new movie from Jordan Peele. Yeah. So if you cast your mind back to 2016, Get Out, which is one of my favorite films I have ever seen, mm-hmm. even though I'm not big into horror, the yeah. way it was shot, film, dialogue, everything about that film is so good. And it was uh, nominated for Oscars, all sorts of things. Then he followed up with Us, which came out three years ago. Yep. Also very, very good. Lupita Nyong'o in the main role. This is his third movie uh, and it follows Daniel Kaluuya 
everyone's yes. favourite Brit pretending to be an American, <laughs> as well as Kiki Palmer and Stephen Yoon, yes. and dealing with something in the sky. And that's Whoa. as far yeah, as yeah, I, yeah. as as much as I'm going to say, because anything else I appreciate. is spoiler. I appreciate. So this film has been polarizing for people. I have avoided reviews, but people I know who I'm friends with, some loved it, some thought it was utter nonsense. Okay. I really liked it. All right. And I was skeptical about where it was going to start with because, yeah, I guess I expected, I wasn't expecting the kind of movie we got. Okay. It ended up being... And I say this in the best way possible, a more right. conventional movie than I would have expected from Jordan Peele. All right. So whilst it's dealing with familiar sci-fi themes, it does it in a, in a fresh way, in a different way. Okay. Because it's not just, let's say, plucky white kids fighting the upside down. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's nuanced characters who sure there's more they could do with each of them but they all have backstories the film's also split into five acts which is different and there's various subplots and and backstories hinted at with various characters and there's a lot of interpretation left up to the audience as to why certain characters make the decisions they do Mm -hmm. and there's also less of what we tend to find in horror movies and in these kind of movies where people make silly decisions that you would never have done in real life. Okay. Whereas in this one, they do things that you think, yep, that's fair enough. Nice. I, 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 would, I would do that. Yep. So it's more of a thinker to start with, but then towards the very end, yeah, I could feel I was getting nervous. Okay. Because it was coming to the big finale and I'm thinking, how on earth are they going to resolve this? Nice. It's it's imperfect. I Compared to Get Out and Us... It's not quite as good, but it's a very different kind of movie. Those two are very much horror. Us <laughs> certainly was just an out-and-out horror. This is more of... It's it's maybe got an F-bomb in it, and that's probably why it's a, a 15. <laughs> but other than that, it is Spielbergian. Okay. That's what I would I, you know call what? it. I, I like that. I like people... I like directors who have some level of diversity yeah. in what they produce. I d- it w- also wasn't as funny as okay. his previous movies. Yeah. That being said... Enjoyed it a lot, so if you get the chance to see it when it eventually comes on streaming sites, nope, check it out. Nice. Right, anime, go. I watched an anime called 86. I've been watching this one for a long time. I picked it up a long time ago. TV show? TV show. Uh, quite a long, quite long season. Came in two parts. Uh, one of my favorite things about it is that towards the end, as they approached the finale, they started adding breaks in the schedule because they realized they weren't producing the, the episodes to the quality they wanted in the time uh, that they had so they just were like okay we're gonna release these more slowly now and they produced really good episodes instead of like subpar ones because they ran out of money I'd love to see more businesses in the uh, media industry take time when they need to um, so this is a, it's a show about this is very cliche it's a show about children being used as soldiers it's a show about uh, segregation in society and racism uh, and the impacts of it, it's got quite a lot of philosophy, but it's just an a, um, action piece with, with mechs. People driving mechs and robot fighting robot and all of that, all of that good Dri- stuff. Sorry, driving mechs? What, what is like that? mech suits. Think of like small versions of uh, Pacific Rim. Okay, like, okay, Ro- like robot ro- like things. Like tanks of legs instead of tracks. <laughs> oh, nice. Okay, <laughs> yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, so while it initially just seems like uh, one of those 
hey, you've, there's a whole big cast of young characters that all have individual traits. We're going to slowly kill them off kind of shows. Uh, it was also a little bit deep and it had good character and it, and it was well executed and it tried to have philosophy, even if I didn't quite agree with the philosophy. Um, they were very heavy handed with showing you what emotions you needed to feel with music and with the visuals. But, you know, uh. I'm okay with that sometimes. It makes more people like the show. It was more approachable than it would have been otherwise because they did really drive home what you're supposed to feel. Uh, it did rely on a lot of cliche. It did drop off the uh, the pace and the the driven story in the second arc compared to the first. However, okay, it's one of those times where a show has a season one, and I'm like, I really liked that. It really did all pay off in the end, and I don't want another season because it felt complete enough, even though they left a few. Uh, plot threads not finished and maybe you're going to plan a season two and apparently the novels that it's based off of do continue on and are very good right i i just liked it a lot and i don't want to risk it being tarnished by a season two it would have given you the feeling that you get after every season of stranger things where some of the people in the cast survive and you just want the rest of them to <laughs> to be okay just be happy even if you know that there's an overarching threat you don't want to have to actually experience it ever again yeah yeah so i was mic. kind of in that situation they handled okay uh, it was a coming of age story as well and i'm i'm a sucker for those cuz my coming of age experience in real life was just terrible so it's nice to experience other other versions of it oh, same. in a, in different ways and see what other authors and other people are putting into their coming of age stories um so yeah for for a really uh, on the surface level shallow action war uh, anime i i liked it Far more than I expected to when I when I saw the uh, poster in the in the trailer. Well, dear listener, if you it's called 86. 86, as in like the numbers, just 86 or the number 86. Yeah. Nice, dear listener, if you have finished a TV show, watched a movie, been to the theater, as we're about to hear, or done anything, would like to review your gas bill, you can send it to us audio form, seesawparade at gmail or written form if you don't like the sound of your own voice, which is fine because yeah. most people don't. You can also send that to us directly yeah. if you are one of the privileged people yeah. who have either of our contact details. Did you press your aircon button in your car? How much did it cost you? It was a joke. <laughs> Please don't listen to us. Indeed. There's also uh, the fact, James, that I have started, or we have started, two <laughs> TV shows. One of which hey. was recommended to us by Anthony on the show several months ago. Oh. Heartstopper on Netflix. Nice. That's nice. A, That's a nice coming-of-age story and very much the kind of thing which I watch and think, why did that not happen to me? (laughs) (laughs) Why did I not fall for a straight boy who happened to also secretly be gay? Didn't work out like that. Did not work out like that. Do you know what I want to see? I want to see a show where someone tries to make themselves straight and then suffers with a trauma for like 10, 15 years and then eventually comes out as an adult and has to deal with all that. That would be a fun show, wouldn't it? But then also has like a happy couple of episodes at the end where you know that all the pain was worth it and all right, those struggles right. were worth it and you became a good person who's actually completely valid as you are and yeah. you didn't need all the cl- cliche experiences that you see in Hollywood stories. Yeah, I agree. I did actually um, see reflect with a, a friend of mine uh, recently, Mr. Murray Wilson, that the version of, of me I am right now is the best version of me I've ever been. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Which is good, very good. It's a good thing to recognize and because, keep working on it. Oh, for sure. Uh, you've got to keep working on it, absolutely. Because we were reflecting on one of our mutual friends who we both agreed was was better many, many years ago and now is, is has kind of oh. gone backwards. Whereas oh dear. it's always it's upward growth. And, you know, the only thing you would reflect on the sitcom is it would have a, a happy ending, of course, but you would still have that, yeah. like... 
the end of Stranger Things season where you're just you see you see like the glimmer of regret in uh, the <laughs> yeah. character's eye who longs for his okay. his lost uh, teenage twenties, <laughs> and you think oh, I just want him to be okay. <laughs> that's that's the feeling I look at when I see Mike in Stranger Things. So anyway, yeah. that's yeah. by the way. Cool. Yeah, I would like to talk about. You started a show. <laughs> I started watching. I started watching the new Game of Thrones spinoff. It's it's okay so That's far. So I don't lie. I don't hate it. It's really nice to not hate it. Right. Yeah. So we. It does make me feel really salty about season eight still, but it's fine. I can deal with it. <laughs> so yeah, myself and Graham also watching that uh, House of Dragon. Two episodes in, it is fine. I'm really annoyed that they used the same opening music. That sucked. And every time, really. Yeah, in season episode two, they used the they used the the same. Old no, no, no. But why does it suck? Because it's, surely it's just to show continuity. And they shouldn't do that. They should have an original track with an original visual because it's a different show. <laughs> okay. Um, every time they try to tie it into the Game of Thrones show, it it hurts me. And I and I hope they stop doing that. <laughs> I just want it to be a, its own thing. <laughs> just on that point, every single time they drop a surname of something from Game of Thrones, it is very much like you have put that in because you want to appeal to the fan service, so they hear a some sort of castaway sentence that says oh yeah yeah he, he beat up one of the baratheon boys and suddenly fans everywhere go okay he just said baratheon whoa <laughs> whoa yeah wow i, I even even uh Dracarys being used as like the command to save fire i was a bit like yeah. do i believe they did that because i've read the books and in the books danny chooses that word because she thought it would be a never they thought it would be a word that they wouldn't hear by accident oh she chose it not out of like historical reasons she knew her family always told her dragons that word to burn things she chose it because she didn't want the dragons to hear that word on the fly in places that spoke valyrian so the fact that they use the same word again in this show it's like do i do i do i buy that do i buy that two separate groups of this family chose the same word okay Hmm. anyway we'll give a full (laughs) review to that show it's fine it's its own show it's good yeah we'll give a full review to that show when it ends but thank you very much to amel who sent in this review from the fringe hey here we go hello seesaw parade as colin mentioned i recently went to the fringe and i said i would review it so here i am wow and my review is going to be for the production of the strange undoing of prudentia heart which was co-created by david greek okay. and wills wilson excellent. back in 2011 it was quite a hit I haven't heard of it. it was originally staged by the national theater of scotland uh, but this time around it was being put on by the lyceum theater the main reason I was signed up to go and see this play was because I had a friend in the cast. A valid reason. And so really was going along to support her, interested to see what it was going to be like, all feeling good until I opened my booking email on the train on the way there and saw the worst words you can read when you're going to a production of some sort. There will be audience actor interaction. Kill no! oh, me now. So I was already feeling not very excited about it. And then I also just classic fringe couldn't find the place. Uh-huh, yeah, 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 it was yeah. staged in the Playfair Library, which is an internal library at Edinburgh University. Oh. And the signage was non-existent. I only found it because this lovely wheeled lady called Fran. Hi Fran, if you're listening. I heard wheeled lady. Was there also trying to find it and she had cleverly printed out a map. Oh of the area so we we did find it eventually well with three minutes to spare so i was quite stressed by the time i sat in my seat you could make a play of that but i quickly got comfortable and got completely engrossed in the story of prudentia heart prudentia is a scholar of scottish folklore and is set to speak at kelso on one of her all-time favorite subjects the border ballads But during the conference, a freak snowstorm <gasps> results in her being stranded in the snow and surrounded by colleagues <gasps> who do not share the same sacred passion for all things Scots and folk. 
they in fact choose karaoke over a folk session, ah. which results in Prudentia running out into the snowy night to escape them. But she ends up landing in her own Tam O'Shanter-esque hellish nightmare from where her colleague Colin, football chant-loving Kylie Minogue singing Colin, is her only hope okay. of escape. Right. It was fantastic. It was hilarious. I laughed out loud at loads of it. It was riotous and over the top. Um, but also a lot of it was really quite serious and haunting. Um, it felt really immersive, lots of dancing, lots of music, poetry. It explored the topography of hell, the relevance of sort of folk traditions, how these relate to football chants. Right. And yeah, just really interesting musings on all things Scots and folk past and present. The actor audience interactions that I had so feared okay. actually turned out to be quite fun. Um, we made our own snow from ripped up tissue. Oh, yeah. We had jellied eels, jellied eels sorry, oh. thrown at us. Um, so for the most part, it was just really kind of fun and immersive. <laughs> there was one lad, one poor lad who had a sort of joke lap dance and to be honest if that had been me I think I probably would have died and just been laid to rest <laughs> in the Playfair library for the rest of my life uh, but overall that part was actually really fun and really suited the production. The only downsides I would say um, it's quite a long production, it is a couple of hours right. and I felt that the second half after the interval there was a bit of a lull, it did feel a little bit long in that section um, also, the actors are not mic'd up because they are moving sort of throughout the audience mm -hmm. and there isn't any amplification. Huh. For the most part, they were very impressive in their projection, but there were just some points where I was straining to kind of hear what was being said or being yeah, it sung. Would, it would fail. Um, I think I might also just need to go and get my ear syringed, but maybe that probably for um, myself and maybe older members of the audience did mean that there was parts that you just weren't quite clear on what was being said. But overall, I just thought it was fantastic. The actors were flawless. The costume, brilliant. The music, the dancing, there was, it was just so immersive. You really were taken away on this absolutely bonkers journey for a couple hours. And I, I so enjoyed that element of it. I thought it brilliantly explored this sort of idea of romantic nostalgia that we, we can absolutely be guilty of, of Scot in Scotland. Mm -hmm. And through, you know, the character, somebody who's sort of too obsessed with the past to in enjoy the present, mm -hmm. it was just properly magical and celebrated so many traditions, folk music, Scottish theatre and it, it did all that while still being modern and fun and inclusive. Nice. Um, it, it really celebrated Scots and folklore without that sort of stifling reverence with which some ah, people yeah, yeah, sort yeah, of yeah, historically yeah. have treated it. Yeah. So overall, absolutely fantastic. Unfortunately, I think the run has finished because obviously the fringe is over. So I'm so sorry course, yeah. if I've just absolutely sold it to you and now you can't go and watch it anywhere. Yes. But, you know, keep an eye out. It's been on the go since 2016. So it might be back again um, because it was absolutely bonkers, absolutely wonderful, would absolutely recommend. Absolutely. There we go. So thank you very much to Amel for that review that of did sound great. a fringe show which is over. So you can actually go and see it. <laughs> <laughs> but it sounded great. Well, such is the fringe. Oh, -ho. indeed. Okay. Well, I've got one like that, more know. movie to review, and thank you for sending sending that in. Uh, it, it's something different. I think that's maybe the first theater we've had reviewed in a long time. 
Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. If you want to go and see something much less uh, spectacular, you can go on Netflix and watch The Adam Project, which is the latest movie with Ryan mm. Reynolds, directed by Sean Levy. Oh. Which is uh, the... I don't remember this at all. The, the duo who did Free Guy, which was surprisingly good, oh. and uh, looks like they're teaming up for Deadpool 3. So, this is right. a time travel slash family adventure movie. Okay. In which Ryan Reynolds, uh, long story short, goes back in time and has to team up with his younger 12-year-old Sarky self okay. to save the world. Yes. And save I tell you what. Yes. Classic. If you want to just see Ryan Reynolds being Ryan Reynolds, or maybe like a slightly, slightly toned down version. Okay. And then a 12-year-old kid, who's clearly very talented, doing an impression of if Ryan Reynolds was 12. Right. Uh, that This is the film to watch. Excellent. I, you know, actually, I had it in my notebook that I wanted a film like that, so I'm glad it's been made. <laughs> but here's where I would... I mean, that's somewhat somewhat accurate, but somewhat uh, making this far more simplistic than it is. Towards the end of the, of the movie, it does right. hit some really heavy emotional beats. Nice. Because of time travel, the, the character of Ryan, uh, Ryan Reynolds interacts with several people who are no longer with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and... Yeah. A lot of that emotional trauma comes out, and yeah. I cried twice. Ooh. Okay, okay. So I, as much as the opening half an hour, I thought, all right, this is just going to be your standard Ryan Reynolds fun family time. It actually was much more than that. And there was particularly the end, some kind of father son stuff. Okay, and yeah, yeah, really did get me in the field. I feel that. Meanwhile, Graham was completely unaffected, so. It very much, very much depends, I think, on perhaps some baggage that you have right. going into a going into a movie. Still sells it, sells it more than just the the other the original description. Did. Oh, for sure about you know time travel and meeting people from the past and saying things you wish you'd said and resolving some some open wounds and things that are are finally being said for the first time that you wish you'd heard your whole life, mm-hmm. and that's all wrapped up in this light-hearted somewhat nonsensical uh MacGuffin movie they're they're looking for a usb that's what that's ultimately what it comes down to yeah but okay yeah 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 honestly if you just want to stick something kind of fun kind of funny kind of touching on the Adam yeah. project sometimes that's a good idea genuinely if you are looking for something different <laughs> not really different if you're just looking for something Stick it on. Safe. I, I recommend, safe yeah. A safe call. Thank you, James. You look for the right frame of words. I do recommend it. Yeah. Do check it out. Yeah. Nice. Okay, okay cool. James. Time is gone. Let's talk two more stories. Oh, the saga of Twitter is still oh. going. And I'm sure we'll continue for probably the next year at least. I'm sure longer. Yes. This is the news. Longer, yes. Until Elon dies. Indeed. Yes. That after the former security chief of Twitter spoke out about the the website about some oh essentially things it was he alleged breaking the law uh, doing things which were unethical immoral right yes elon musk then subpoenaed him to force him to mm-hmm. appear on his side in the legal battle to stop him from buying twitter that's basically what happened right any thoughts on that well i don't think anything really helps elon get a get-out-of-jail-free card here, again, because he signed away all his rights to have any reason to not do this deal. So everything he's doing 
is just to try and prolong things and make things messy and to try not to make the legal battle worth it. Right. Maybe to re- to keep to make a, any potential settlement much lower than it needs to be, something like that. Um, I, I don't really see any of it giving him hope of not having to pay a massive amount of money in either a fine and, well, sorry, in fine form and and also potentially in a huge amount of money just to Twitter themselves. Okay, j- j- sorry, just before you go any further, the reason why Musk is taking uh, Peter Zatko and subpoenaed him yeah. is because the, the, the highlights of this 200-page complaint alleges that Twitter misled federal regulators, yeah, yeah, yeah. hid negligent security practices, and failed to properly estimate the number of bots. Right. And that is yeah. a, uh, a coat hanger that Elon Musk has been attempting to hang his jacket for several months. <laughs> I know, That's like, a weird yeah, analogy. It's kind, it is kind of all valid, and it would have been much more valid if he didn't agree to sign away his rights to not do the deal <laughs> based off of anything that he discovered after making the deal. You know, if you decide to make a deal and you say, no matter what happens, the deal goes through and then things happen and those things aren't good, you can complain about them and your complaints are valid, but they don't make yep. the deal go away as far as I, as far as I aware legally. Um, so yeah, Twitter, I'm sure, are as unethical as any other big tech company and Elon is as unethical as any other billionaire. So none of this is surprising. It is rich people drama. Um, but so long as both of both Twitter and Elon have to go through a bunch of pain and learn some things, maybe we'll all be better off afterwards. Okay, final story for this episode, and it's the somewhat head-scratching news that the fan who was accused by Nick Kyrgios in the Wimbledon final right. of being drunk yes. out of her mind is taking uh-huh. legal action against him. So Sure, she's not litigious, though. No. So, so this woman who, uh, yes, was uh, shouting things at Mick, uh, Nick Kyrgios during the final and he stopped the game and went over to the umpire and uh, basically said, you need to chuck her out because uh, this is the biggest occasion of my she's life. She's mad drunk, bro. She is, why yeah. is she still here? She's drunk out of her mind. She's speaking to me in the middle of the game. How is that acceptable? Then she was eventually uh, taken out. She was escorted out and was later allowed to, to return. She is now taking court action, saying, mm-hmm. During the course of the final, he made a reckless and entirely baseless allegation against me. Yeah. It not only caused me considerable harm on the day, but his allocation was broadcast to and read by millions of people around the world, causing me and yeah. my family yeah, substantial damage and distress. I am not litigious. Sure. <laughs> I'm not, no. But after consideration, no other I am going to instruct my solicitors to bring defamation proceedings against him to clear my name. Yeah. This is just... And you know, ah. it kind of feels like smaller rich people drama to me. It, 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 yeah, it's a fun, someone who had the money to afford a ticket to the men's Wimbledon final after, what, three years yeah. of it not happening because of the of COVID? Yeah. And suddenly, yeah. some the tennis player has said, okay, you're drunk and you're shouting things. Didn't name her. Mad drunk, yeah. Just said, oh, there's, uh, there is a fan shouting things at me. Can you please get her out? I think he did point her out as a description and she did get removed so it became pretty obvious who he was talking about. Right, but that was only known to the people who know her. They're like her friends. Yeah, and then I'm sure the media did the media's thing. So is it the media's fault that she's actually gone through all this pain? Should be should she be suing the media? One of my favorite quotes is I think it was Jack Canfield, which is take a hundred percent responsibility for everything you do and everything you say. Right. And ultimately is she shouting stuff at Nick Kyrgios in the middle of the match? Apparently she was trying to encourage him. <laughs> of, course, of course she was. But it's not the time when he's setting up for a serve. Everyone knows to be quiet. But also, like, why? Just let it go. 
you were clearly affecting the guy, and now he does have a, uh, a famously short temper. Yeah, yeah. That being yeah. said, he really shouts stuff at him anyway. Well, and also, why would you encourage Kyrgios? Like, <laughs> he's not cool. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, he was playing Djokovic, who also sucks, so why would you be there? <laughs> uh, <laughs> also, uh, Serena Williams is doing well in the US Open right now. Hey, well done, Williams. Uh, but, be- yeah, but yeah, despite being 41 years old, beat the number two player in the world, hey. and it's about congrats. to retire. Congrats! Wow. Congrats! Talented guy. Uh, but no, like I got it. Yeah, I got. I got to say, anybody who can afford a big Wimbledon ticket, I, 15 minutes of fame can be very harmful, and 15 minutes of fame can can be horrible for a lot of people, especially if your 15 minutes of fame fame uh, makes you a known name to the fans of somebody who you've upset. That can be awful. And maybe there should be compensation in these situations, but it definitely feels like rich people drama. Indeed. Okay, well, thank you very much for listening. James, thank you for your time. Time is gone. Indeed. You can get in touch with the show and Cecil Parade on Twitter, Parade at gmail.com. And James, I hope your lightheadedness has um, become normal weight-headedness. Oh, did I mention that? Yeah, I've been lightheaded this whole time. Thank you, everyone, for your concern. Uh... <laughs> Hey, have you bought new socks recently? Tell us about them. Yes. Mine are made of bamboo. They feel great. Did you put a bet on Liz Truss becoming Prime Minister? How much money did you make? I know, right? Let's find out next episode. Hey. Okay. Hi, James. Bye-bye. Bye, oh? fan who's suing Nick Kyrgios. Sue us. Oh. You well, smell. No, don't. Don't. I, I'm poor.